We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, the Bulls are officially back in the playoffs. Bulls win their regular season finale against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 124 to 120, a game that really shouldn't have had much intrigue with uh, the key pieces on both sides sitting, but Patrick Williams, a career-high 35 points, showed some incredible flashes, perhaps the best of his entire basketball-playing career, I think, going back to his Florida State days, better than what he showed in Summer League. Pat was incredible. So Bulls win that game. We'll talk more about it later. The regular season is now over. The Bulls, 46-36 and 36 is how they end this regular season. They get the number six seed in the Eastern Conference, which is the last spot secure in the playoffs before the play-in tournament determines the last two seeds in each conference. And the Bulls draw the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. The Bucks finish 51-31. and 31. Milwaukee is, of course, the defending champions. The Bulls went 0-4 against the Bucks this season. Two pretty close games in the first two games of the year. And then two big blowouts in the next two games. Uh, Jason, my initial impression of this series is that the best the Bulls can hope for is to steal a single game. I think this is probably shaping up to be a sweep. Uh, it's possible the Bulls could take one, but I would be absolutely shocked if the Bulls were able to make this an actually competitive series and take more than a game. It feels like the worst possible matchup for the Bulls heading into the postseason because, man, we saw what this Bucks core can do on the biggest stage last year, winning Milwaukee's first championship since 1971. So, it's a tough draw, Jason. It's been a tough second half. I'm not really looking forward to this playoff run. I think it's going to be pretty brief. But hey, we can at least celebrate uh, the the organization's first playoff appearance since 2017. So that is something. 
Yeah. So yeah, there was intrigue yesterday, uh, not just in the bull. I guess the Bulls game didn't have much besides the Patrick Williams stuff, but there was the seeding to be determined yesterday across the league. And we were kind of curious to see like who would try to like tank into the bull into number three, because we had the Bucks. They were playing who they play the Cavs, right? They basically said everybody except for Drew Holiday, who sat after eight seconds so we can get an extra three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Good for him. Secure that bag. Drew Holiday. Uh, he fouled like eight seconds in the game, then took a seat so he could get his bonus. Uh, the Cavs blew out that game. So the Bucks then set that set up then Celtics Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were basically sitting everybody. The Celtics were not. Celtics blow out the Grizzlies, moving the Celtics up to number two. Uh, because the, there's the whole thing with the Nets. The Nets won, so they're, they're seventh. They're facing the Cavs in the playing game tomorrow. Uh, most of us assume the Nets will win that game and that it'll be then two versus seven. So it seems like the Bucks, even as the defending champs, basically tanked their way out of a first-round matchup against the Nets, which when you could face the Bulls in the first round instead, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, of course, like... Uh, and so now the Celtics will face the Nets instead. Uh, and the Celtics have been awesome. They've been the best team in the NBA basically over the last few months. So maybe they handle the Nets anyways, if it is indeed the Nets in that series. But, uh, and even if the Bulls would have played, if the the Celtics would have stayed three, uh, I mean, the Celtics would have obviously had a huge advantage over the Bulls as well. There was also a scenario where the, the Sixers could have moved up to three, but that didn't happen because the Celtics uh, won and the Bucks could not have fallen below the Sixers. So here we are. It is Bulls, Bucks. Uh, I feel like that we did talk about how, like, out of all these series, like, we we're like, oh, Sixers, like, maybe the Sixers are frauds and maybe the Bulls would have a chance there, even though the Bulls have never been in Embiid. The Celtics, they've been the best team in the NBA for months here. Uh, but even then, like, this still doesn't feel like they're quite, their ceiling is quite as high as the Bucks because Bucks have Giannis. The Bucks have been dominant when they've had their main three guys. Uh, and the Bucks just obviously have the size. Brooke Lopez back. We saw Brooke Lopez just murder the Bulls. So of course it ends up get, the Bulls end up facing the Bucks here. And as you said, uh, it's probably going to be a quick series. Like my head says, it probably will be a sweep. I was joking with a friend about like what the point differential of the series will be. Like, and remember going back to what was it 2015? The Bulls and the Bucks played. The Bulls beat them by like 50 in the game six to end it. I'm like. <laughs> The Bucks are about to get their revenge for that series. I think Giannis was playing in that series. I'm pretty sure. Yes, he was. Um, so, like, yeah. I mean, everything points to the Bucks just absolutely destroying the Bulls in this series. I'm gonna just I'm gonna come out and say that the Bulls will steal one game that the Bucks just don't give a shit about at home. We're gonna get a good old fashioned gentleman sweep here. Uh, we'll talk about this series a bit more as we go on later in this podcast, but. Uh, I mean, just overall on this, on this bowl season, I am glad that they were, I mean, not that it mattered at all. It was nice that they were able to win this game against the Timberwolves and that we saw those Patrick Williams flashes. I know they were up at like 30 at one point and then almost blew it, but I would assume who also, I think had a career high with like 26 hit the dagger three, uh, Patrick Williams is great career high 35 points. He shot like 14 free throws. I will say like, I don't want to be too much of Debbie Donner. These last game of the regular season days, like are full of just like chock full of like ridiculous performances from got role players. I think we saw Austin Reeves have like a 30 point triple double yesterday. Uh, I think I saw like Amir coffee at like 35. So like in these games where guys really aren't trying or teams are bums or pl- playing bums, like you don't want to pull, take too much from Patrick Williams having a great game. On the other hand, it is great to see him have a great game. Like this is the type that's the type of environment we we need to see Patrick Williams dominating in as a number four pick. Like I, I almost, I kind of called like a summer league vibe last 
or last night, which it kind of is like these team guys playing a bunch of role guys playing out the string and stuff like that. Uh, but that is, again, that is a situation where Patrick Williams should be dominating, should be taking a ton of shots. And we just saw a bunch of cool shit from him. Some sick drives, some sick cross court, like fling passes. We saw some vision there. We saw him being used in a ton of different ways. And I know you've hammered on about, and obviously again, I guess Patrick Williams is not going to be used in some of these ways when he's playing with the main guys, but showing that maybe you could give him a little more offensive freedom, a little more creativity, Again, when defenses are locked down and you're facing elite teams and not the Timberwolves like C string, like it's a little different there in the playoffs. But it was nice to see him take advantage of this opportunity uh, in this with these huge minutes, shoot really well, make the make some of these nice passes. Obviously, he did have some turnovers as well. The Bulls had a bunch of turnovers, but uh, really encouraging to see. I don't want to take too much from it just because of the nature of the game, but uh, still much better than him sucking it up in a game like this because that would be really troubling. It was the best he's ever looked, I think, yeah. like ever. Patrick right. Williams has never looked this good. Now, I'm glad you made all those disclaimers about, you know, guys with basically no profile in the league whatsoever often going off in the last game of the regular season. So that's all very true. But some of these highlights that Pat had against the Timberwolves yep. were legitimately super impressive. Uh, you mentioned Summer League. I saw, I think it was Chip Jones tweeted a stat that Summer League Patrick Williams, while he did put up 21 points a game, I think, it was only on 48% true shooting. Yeah, very interesting. What jumped out about this performance is how it's the keyword with Patrick Williams, right? Aggressive. How aggressive Patrick Williams was, not just looking for his own shot, but in looking to get to the basket. And you pull up the box score, Pat got to the line. 14 times, made 12 of 14 free throws, uh, hit three of four threes. So it's good to see him, you know, take and make threes in a decisive manner when the ball swung to him. But really what impressed me in this game was Pat's ability to create off the dribble. And I've been saying it, Jason, since they drafted Pat, I think the worst way to use him is as a floor spacer. It makes sense that that's the role Billy Donovan envisions him playing on this team, because when you have DeMar DeRozan, who's going to do so much of his work in the mid-range, everyone else needs to give DeMar space to operate, right? So it's on guys like Pat and Io to develop his catch-and-shoot shooters, to make defenses respect them if they're left wide open uh, at the key. So in this game, we saw without DeRozan and Levine playing, we saw Pat with the ball in his hands, creating off the bounce a little bit more. And it was so impressive, dude. I mean, I thought he looked like he had great burst going in and out of his moves. He still doesn't have, he's not like a super explosive athlete offensively in terms of going to the basket, but it's six, nine two thirty. He has a pretty tight handle. He's comfortable taking pull-up jumpers off the dribble from at least like 18 feet. He doesn't have like the three point range on those pull-ups yet but he's very comfortable in the mid-range area. And then what I thought was so impressive was just his general agility around the basket. Like that's a big body to be able to contort and finish with either hand. Uh, We saw one play where he took his man left off the bounce, hit him with like a stutter step hesitation, drove left, finished with the left. Uh, There were a couple other plays where it's like the dude just disappeared out of thin air seemingly to pick up his dribble and finish at the basket. So I thought Pat was really, really good. Check out those highlights yeah. of Pat against the Minnesota Timberwolves if you haven't seen him yet. And it is the type of performance that I do think is just encouraging in general for a player that has kind of had confidence issues since he's come into the NBA. How many times have we yeah. seen Pat not look to score even when left wide open? 
I would like to think that having a game like this before the playoffs gives him a little bit of a peace of mind that, hey, I can do this at this level. Yeah, and that was a nice, definitely a nice little ray of light here after the Bulls got absolutely fucking demolished by the Hornets. Like after the Bulls, they got smoked by what? The Heat, Bucks, Celtics, back to back to back. All right, Friday, we have this game against the Hornets, regular season home finale. Hornets, the Bulls have handled them pretty well this season. Regular season home finale. Once again, maybe there we get a little better performance there. I mean, they gave up like 30 points in the first like half of the first quarter. The Hornets were on fire. I think it was a 30-point game or around there at halftime. I mean, just complete a complete debacle, complete shit show. Uh, I was I didn't actually watch much of the game. I was following along, but I had some drinks, started getting a little <laughs> I was getting upset, started tweeting about how it was like up there with the last four years of of dog shit basketball because and this second, the, le- the set last couple months of the season have been really, really bad. The Bulls are one of the worst teams in the NBA. And that game on Friday, which is kind of like the culmination of it, and just like me almost just like falling off a cliff and just like just totally losing it over to say how bad they've been playing, uh, taking just hitting rock bottom with that kind of performance. So it was nice for Pat, even in a game that really didn't mean anything, to at least kind of bring you up a little bit going into the playoffs. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk myself into getting excited about watching the Bulls in the playoffs, even with this brutal matchup that they have against Milwaukee. Uh, so, I mean, just I guess before we talk a bit more about this Bucks series, just where is your head at about how this Bulls season went? If you could like put a grade on it, uh, if you're satisfied, because it, it has been just a weird season with the injuries, with COVID still happening earlier this season. And then with the team being so good, raising our expectations, we both were like, you know, maybe they are like a dark horse final team to coming down and being one of the worst teams in the NBA. It's it was a stunning collapse over these last couple months, especially since the all-star break, even with the injuries. I feel like with the guys that they did have playing, they should have been better. Uh, maybe maybe they weren't very good, but I mean, they had Zach, Damar and, and Vooch playing most of these games. Caveat Zach has been playing hurt, but I still thought that they could be at least a little better, but there was just no competitiveness there. They were really bad. So like it absolutely to me does stain the season somewhat. You still do have to say it's success to go from what they had been to getting 46 wins and getting into the playoffs, getting in the playoffs is a success. No matter how you look at it, it's just like comes with like, I feel like an asterisk of they were one of the worst teams in the NBA down the stretch. Obviously the playoff series, if it goes as expected, We'll just kind of also go into that as well. But uh, it's it just been a weird season. Enjoyable at times. They were one of the most fun teams to watch those first 50, 60 games and into one of the worst teams to watch. So, like, what, what, where is your head on, on just, like, how you'll remember the season, how you, how you evaluate it? Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like, we always call the All-Star break, like, everything that happens before the All-Star break, the first half, everything yeah. that happens after the All-Star break, the second half. But the reality is, at the All-Star break, the Bulls were 71% done with the season, and they were tied atop the Eastern Conference with the Miami Heat for the number one seed when the league took its All-Star break. Since then, I believe the Bulls are 7-15. and 15. If you want to talk about the Bucs, the Bucs, I believe, are 15-6. and six. So two teams obviously going in different directions. Uh, it, it's tough. Like, I think my, my big picture takeaway is that this was the first fun Bulls season since 2015. 2015 was the year that D. Rose hit the shot against the Cavs in the playoffs. Bulls ended up losing that series. But that was a fun team with D. Rose and Jimmy and Powell. Uh, 
the three alphas year was the last time they made the playoffs. That was in 2017, but that was not a very fun year. Kind of, yeah, they were they only they were only 500 that year. The year kind of sucked. Jimmy just dragged a terrible roster to the playoffs. Yeah, and it just felt like they sort of had no hope back then, right? Yeah. Then the last four years happened where over the last four years, the Bulls had the worst record in the NBA. After the Jimmy Butler trade, they won 27 games in 2018. They won 22 games in 2019. They won 31 games last season in 2021. So to go up to 46 wins, I do think is a big accomplishment. Now, obviously, they burned a lot of future draft capital to get this team. And I do think that a big question is like, okay, they were able to build a team that was much better than anyone anticipated when everything was going perfectly. They were really good, but how sustainable is this formula for success? I think that that's a big question And ultimately this team's legacy will partially fall under the fact of, you know, can they continue to build on it? Yeah. There aren't really super obvious avenues towards improving the team in the offseason. I think, you know, the first thing you're hoping to do is get Lonzo Ball back, have him be healthy, re-sign Zach Levine, have him be healthy. And the best case scenario for the Bulls, honestly, probably looks like one addition to the rotation, but probably not to the starting lineup. And that you're just hoping that the team can stay healthy and can be what they were for the first 70% of the season. And that Patrick Williams takes a legitimate leap. We were talking about Pat having a huge game here. Obviously, he's not going to come out here and be a 30-point-per-game scorer and be like Kawhi Leonard and stuff. But he needs to take, if the Bulls are going to take a big step forward again, we'll probably have to take a big step. Yeah, but ultimately, I think a successful year. And, you know... Most people coming into the season, if you would have been like, all right, we're going to build a team around DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic, most people would tell you that there's no chance that team could be competing at the top of the conference. And yes, the Bulls eventually did end up with the sixth seed, which is basically where we predicted them to be preseason. But when the Bulls were really rolling, they were playing as well as anyone in the league. And I really thought for a time this season that they looked like a legitimate championship contender. and that even happened while enduring so much. Of course, the Bulls got hit by COVID earlier. First, basically. basically. Every other team uh, totally decimated the roster. You had Patrick Williams going down in game five. You had Levine playing through a thumb injury earlier in the year uh, and then playing through the knee. So clearly, like, the team that the Bulls were through, let's even say, like, you know, the middle of January or something, uh, that is not the team they are right now. It really does not resemble the same team. It's for all the reasons that anyone listening to this podcast knows. Zach Levine playing hurt no longer looks like one of the most dynamic scorers in the NBA while he's playing through significant knee pain. Lonzo Ball not able to play uh, totally drained the Bulls of their ability to make plays in transition. It killed the volume at which they shot three-pointers. It just crushed their defense because when Lonzo and Alex Caruso were sharing the court together, those two guys were so well in tandem in terms of their ability to just block off large parts of the floor from the opposition. So, uh, you know, yes, DeMar DeRozan can still cook in the mid-range. We're hoping that Zach can have a game where he hits a bunch of threes. We're hoping we get a good Vooch series against Milwaukee. But in general, like the team we saw at its peak is just not the team the Bulls are entering the playoffs. It sucks. There's also nothing you can do about it. Uh, And ultimately, like how I will feel about this season, I feel good about it. But it's mostly going to be like, okay, can they build on it? Like, 
can they continue to push towards the top of the conference? Or is this going to be a scenario where, you know, it's sort of a flash in the pan. DeRozan's not going to be able to sustain this level of success. Levine's knee pain is going to linger. Ball and Caruso just aren't durable enough to be guys who you're counting on for 30 plus minutes a game, 82 games a year. It could really go either way. Uh, but in general, from, from this vantage point entering the playoffs, I feel like it was a positive year, absolutely, and I just hope they can continue to build off it. Yeah, definitely a positive year with where they ended up in the standings. It it is just really funny looking at these standings, forty six and thirty six, but their point differential ended up being negative point four, which is worse than the Knicks. They had like I think the eleventh or twelfth best point differential in the East. I believe they're like expected winning, like winning a record was like forty and forty two or forty one, forty one. I think I saw John Schumann say that. So like. Basically, it was DeMar in close games is the difference between this Bulls team being 46 and 36 and being like maybe under 500 and probably missing out or maybe just sneaking into that 10th seed. Uh, I mean, which is why they got him. They got DeMar to help close them games and DeMar DeRozan closed them games and helped get them into this, uh, helped get them to a top six seed. Obviously, again, those other guys missing as we've talked about ad nauseum, Lonzo and Crusoe. They just like, Basically, the identity of this team was DeMar in crunch time and then Lonzo and and Caruso wreaking havoc defensively and getting them out in transition. That was the identity of the team, and it went away once those guys hurt. And that's how you end up getting all these blowout games where it's not competitive. That is obviously a a strike against the roster construction that those guys getting hurt while you still have Zach, DeMar, and Vooch means your team is a complete fucking disaster. Obviously, that show highlights the flaws of having a top three of Demar, Zach, and Vooch. But uh, they do have a team that is. I, I, I think it was a it was a John John Wilms. I think had a really good tweet about like just like how this bull season went. Greenberg did too the other day as well, or just now as well. But uh, how the team they built a team that is yeah. And you just said this how like they're a really damn good team, possibly contender when everything goes perfectly right. They need to figure out. How to build a team that can withstand some more of the some more of this adversity, uh, whether that is shaking up the core a bit, whether that is adding another just adding some more versatile players, adding two way shooting, something like that. But um, yeah, weird season. Don't want to go. Don't want to talk about too much future stuff right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back into this playoff series really quick about the Bucks. Obviously, uh, I got a stat for you, Jason, if I can read off this stat. Go for it. So pretty much the whole season we were talking about how the Bulls had never beaten Embiid. I didn't realize this until I saw the stat across the timeline. The Bulls have never beaten Giannis since Coach Bud. 2017. Yeah, they have not beaten him since 2017. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the Bulls are one in fifteen against the Bucks in their last sixteen games. So the and the one remarkable. Uh, I would say that from the start of the season, the Bucks were the team I circled. As even when the Bulls were rolling, I thought the Bucks would be the toughest matchup for them in the conference, and it's because of Giannis. Because you know the Bulls are ultimately playing a lot smaller dudes at the four spot than Giannis. Yes, getting Patrick Williams back helps. I hope that he's going to be in the starting lineup. I expect him to be in the starting lineup to try to slow down Giannis a little bit, but it's probably not going to work. Giannis is the best player alive. We just saw him stamp his greatness in the playoffs last year, leading the Bucks to a championship, scoring 50 points with like, I think 14 rebounds, five blocks in that decisive game six to clinch the title. Uh, and Giannis is the reason the Bucks are such a tough matchup for the Bulls, plain and simple. And then you also like look at the rest of the matchups on the court, and I think it's just going to be tough. Like having Drew Holiday, who's basically a version of Alex Caruso that can pop off for you know twenty five points on any given game. Having him blanketing either DeRozan or Levine, I think that is a very tough ask for the Bulls. I'm going to be super interested to see who. Holiday is primarily guarding. Are they going to give him the DeRozan matchup or do you sort of just let DeRozan cook and try to like uh, shut off Levine and don't let anyone else get going. So I think it's a tough matchup, man. Historically, this has been a tough matchup for the bulls and I'm not optimistic heading into this series. They just have have a big ass team. I mean, you got Brooke Lopez, seven footer He protects the rim. One of the, the bucks. I'm pretty sure I haven't looked up the set exactly. I'm pretty sure like, at least when he's playing like consistently over the last couple of years, like they give up like the fewest amount of points, like at the rim. So they just, and the bulls don't really have many guys who really attack them that much. So it's going to be, and we saw that in the last couple of matchups, just like it's going to be a lot of mid range jumpers. The bulls haven't been shooting many threes. They need to get up some more threes. They need to have, and we've talked about this, like they need a variance game or variance games. If they're going to have any chances where they, they just catch fire from three, because they're just probably not going to be able to do much near the basket. When you have Lopez, when you have Giannis, and then even the other guys, I mean, Chris Middleton has got good size at what six 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 seven six eight. Drew Holiday, one of the best defensive guards in the league. They have good friend Bobby Portis. So we're gonna we, we're gonna have a Bobby Portis revenge series against the Bulls in the playoffs. Can't wait for that one. 
Uh, obviously, there's the Grayson Allen storyline, which has obviously died down because the Bucks have just beat the Bulls' ass since he hurt Caruso. But there will be that as well for a little, a little extra juice. But yeah, I mean, the Bucks are just they've they have Giannis, arguably worthy of another MVP this season. He probably won't win. It'll probably be Jokic or Embiid. But you look at his numbers and they're ridiculous. Middleton's really good. Drew Holiday again, one of the best defensive guards. Brooke Lopez is looking pretty good again. You got Portis, you got Grayson Allen, they got Pat Connaughton, George Hill off the bench. I think they have a surge of Bach off the bench. They're just veteran-laden, championship-experienced team, huge, terrible matchup for the Bulls. It just probably is not going to go well. But, uh, I mean, the Bulls can still, I wrote this at Forbes, like, even if they get smoked, I mean, they still can, ho- or hopefully they at least can be somewhat competitive, but they can still get some some positives here. I and mean, Pat, I mean, Talk about Patrick Williams. We talked about Pat a lot earlier. I mean, this could be a really just really great learning experience for Patrick Williams. If he's doing a lot of guarding Giannis in a playoff series, uh, that his first playoffs, Zach Levine, his first time in the playoffs. Hard to believe. What is this year eight for Zach Levine making his first playoff appearance? Yeah. Ahead of his free agency. Like it would be nice to like not get totally fucking stomped as he heads to free agency, even though I think we, most people assume that Zach will be back, but you never know in the NBA, it would be nice to at least be competitive and not lose every game by like 20 and be like, man, I, I can't win with this shit. Like I want to get out of here. Hopefully they can at least, uh, he, this time off will be good for him. Hopefully he can have a decent series in his first playoff series. Uh, I mean, IO will be nice to get, get him some playoff minutes. Kobe. I think we're both of the opinion that this might be it for Kobe with the bulls, but still his first playoff series too. Maybe we get a Kobe game. Maybe we get an explosion where he hits a bunch of threes and helps him win or keep a game close, something like that. So even if this series or if this playoff run will probably be short and was not what we were hoping with earlier, still some things that we can take from it, some positives and build on a regular season that with 46 wins, if they can at least, like I said, gentlemen sweep and maybe not get blown out every game. Like you can take things from that uh, and take it into the off season. Be like, Hey, like we took this step this season we competed admirably against this, the defending champs against this Bucks team, like help the Bulls brand, help make them uh, attractive to another free agent, help make them attractive to Zach coming back. Uh, so even if it's bad, hopefully there's still some good from it. On the other hand, there's a chance this could go just really, really bad and they lose every game by 20, 25 points. Uh, <laughs> that is not, uh, not out of the realm of possibility. It could certainly happen considering how we've seen these last couple matchups go and how the Bulls generally did play down the stretch. I really hope that doesn't be the case, isn't the case just because it will just bring such a huge bummer to this season if they just get go out there and get absolutely fucking dog walked. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen. It's been happening the whole second half, Jason. I, I expect it to happen again, probably. I was shocked to see the game one line is only bucks plus four and a half. The way the Bulls have been losing to seriously, I believe that's what it is. No way, no way. I I, I'd be shocking if that's the case. (laughs) Okay, we're gonna have to double check those numbers, but uh, that's that's what I saw. So unless this is oh no, this was maybe an old article. I think that was maybe going into the last game. I'm sorry. So I was gonna say that I could see four and a half being like the series total, uh, and it's like either a bucks and four or five, but. uh, I would have to imagine that first. I haven't looked yet. That first game is going to be like, pull my draft. Can't see that. So it's going to be, what, I would assume what it's almost does double the digits. formula look like for the bulls to pull out a game or two games in this series to you. You got to hit a ton of threes. And I mean, that's been such a big problem for the bulls. They just, it's just so hard to be competitive in the NBA when you're not, when you're shooting so few threes, 
They haven't been making as many lately. They need a variance game where they hit a ton of threes and where the Bucks are cold. We have seen, as good as the Bucks are, we have seen them have their issues in the playoffs the last couple of years where they, they do get cold, where Drew Holiday misses a ton of fucking layups around the basket and stuff like that. So like that's what you're hoping for is that the Bulls get a Kobe game or Zach goes off or both. Uh, and the Bucks just are cold. They can't make anything. Even if Giannis does his thing, maybe the other guys just totally fall apart. I mean, that's almost that that is kind of what happened in that first match, but the game where Grayson Allen got hurt, the Bucks, Bucks were horrible offensively. The Bulls held them to like I think under 90. The problem is the Bulls could not score either. And it's going to be tough for the Bulls to score against the Bucks. So that's why they just need a game where they hit their shots uh, and they just go crazy from three or multiple. If we're going to talk, trying to make this a somewhat competitive series here. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't expect it, but if they are going to at least compete somewhat, you got to hit, got to shoot well from three. Got to hope the bucks don't shoot well from three. I mean, Giannis is going to get his Pat's going to do his best. Uh, and it sucks that Crusoe's hurting because he'd at least be able to be another body, a guy who will, at least be physical with Giannis and try hard, rack up some fouls and stuff like that. But him being hurt obviously also hurts just his ability to do anything against Giannis or Middleton or Drew Holiday, any of those guys. We saw Drew Holiday put give Caruso the work a few times this season. Uh, so that's just kind of a bummer. So, yeah, there's, I, we know a lot's going to have to go right for the Bulls to make this interesting, but you never know. Yeah. I'm going to say that they need to find some way to control the tempo. When the Bucks get out on the break, it's just game over. And especially when Giannis is stampeding in the open floor, uh, you've already lost the game. If, if the game gets moving up and down, the Bulls have already lost. So I would say try to control the tempo. Try to, you know, slow the game down. That's what you do when you're an underdog. Try to limit the number of possessions as possible. The more possessions in the game, uh, the greater chance Milwaukee has to run away with the series and run away with the game. So that's what I'd like to see the Bulls try to slow it down if possible. And I think that DeRozan's offense should be suitable for the postseason. So, you know, while DeRozan did struggle a bit in March after his absolutely epic February, uh, I think that his game is suited for the postseason, and I just hope everyone else can be up to their end of the bargain. Yeah, that means not record scratching when the ball swings to you on an open three. That means like decisively attacking closeouts, which we've seen both Pat and Io kind of struggle to do at times this season. Uh, so I just want everyone else to try to meet Demar at his level because I really think Demar is going to be locked in. So I'm looking at like if you're looking at a a path for the Bulls to win, try to slow the game down so the Bucs don't run you off the floor in the first three quarters. And then you just let DeMar cook in the fourth and uh, hope everyone else can make enough shots around him where defenses can't like totally cheat off the guys on the perimeter. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the defensive game plan we see from the Bucs where they're just daring Io, daring Caruso, daring Javante to shoot from three. They're going to load up on DeMar, I'm assuming. They're just going to they're going to try to swarm him. You use Drew, you, I mean Drew can play him straight up, but I feel like they're just going to they are going to make they're going to leave those guys. Pat, Javante, Io, Caruso. They're on the court, they're probably not being guarded. So they'll have to hit open shots when it comes to them for sure because they're going to be focused on DeMar. They're going to have to prove that they can hit shots that they can open more stuff up for DeMar and Zach because otherwise they're not going to care. They're going to be like, "All right, we'll guard, we'll just swarm the DeMar and Zach." And that's that. And then, and we've seen, we've seen the issues that happened with the last couple of games like that. So who draws Levine? 
on the defensive assignment for Milwaukee. If you figure, I think Holiday is going to get a lot of time on Levine, maybe even more so than DeRozan. But, you know, can Levine take advantage of the minutes where he's not being guarded by Holiday, especially when teams are overloading DeMar at the ball with the ball? Uh, You know, we saw players in Levine's sort of similar ilk, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, really establish themselves in the postseason and have great playoff runs the last couple of years since the bubble season. It doesn't feel super likely that that's going to happen to for Levine just because of the injury. So unfortunate. But he does get a week off now. So, uh, you know, hopefully they get a fresh round of cortisone shots for him <laughs> yeah. and they can shoot him up with whatever he's willing to get shot up with. And the Bulls can get him out there because it would be really awesome for both him and the team to see him have a series where Levine's putting up, you know, 28 a game on efficient scoring. Even if the Bulls can't win, I think that Levine being peak Levine would give them the best chance to remain competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And they also really do need Vooch to not be a total fucking pumpkin. Uh, Like last game, Brooke Lopez absolutely took it to him. You can't have Vooch getting badly outplayed by Brooke Lopez. It just can't happen. Vooch, Vooch, and he just really struggled down the stretch of this this season, these last few games here. He was awful against the Hornets. Awful against the Heat, awful against the Bucks, awful against the Celtics. He was just off, badly outplayed in all these games. They, he, I mean, he can't be that bad. He needs to be at least decent. Like, I'm not looking for 25 and 10 here, but they need him to be at least somewhat good, hit some shots. They need him to at least be able to, it'd be nice if he could hit a few three pointers to at least kind of maybe open up the court and maybe and draw Brooke Lopez out so he's not just hanging around the basket and swatting shots all, all game. Uh, so they didn't even be decent. I did see Billy, I believe, open talked yesterday about using fucking Vooch and Tristan together again, which we saw. I've seen a few times. It has not worked out well. We saw that happen in that one Bulls Bucks game at home at the beginning of March a month ago, where Tristan was like a minus twenty five or some shit like that. Vooch, I think, actually played pretty well that game. But Tristan, the the combo of them together were awful. I feel like it's going to be awful. I feel like there's no point in trying it. But it seems like Billy might still be open to it solely because of this Bucks matchup and how big that they are and how big they play. Uh, I feel like that's just a mistake waiting to happen because Tristan's just not that good. And that combo together is just got a weird, awkward combo. They're They're slow. Tristan doesn't, I mean, the way he was guarding Giannis has been brutal in the pe- in this season. So, like, I really don't want to see much of that, but it seems like we might. And I whatever sort of backroom promise the Bulls made to <laughs> Tristan Thompson to guarantee him 15 minutes a game is completely ridiculous. I've been banging the drum for more Derek Jones at the five towards the second half of the season. Uh, Tristan has just gotten destroyed by the Bucks <laughs> in every matchup since he's been on the team. This series is no country for Tristan Thompson, as far as I'm (laughs) concerned. I don't think they can even come close to winning the minutes when he's on the floor. If Billy really goes with the two big lineup, like I understand it to try to rebound the ball more effectively, but dude, go with what could make you good. Like you try to dictate the terms of the game, not let the Bucks basically get a freeway to the basket every time they're in the half court. So uh, I don't want to see Tristan at all in this series. And I expect him to be on the floor, but the Bulls are going to get crushed in those minutes. Yeah, most likely. 
We'll see. By the way, the first game one line for Bulls Bucks is nine and a half, according to okay. my DraftKings app here. Minus nine and a half bucks. Uh with a nice 229.5 over under. So yeah, that that's that was that's more in line with what I was thinking. I was thinking it'd be close to double digit spread, and it is. Uh but again, hopefully, maybe just yeah, have to hope the Bulls come out and just they use this time off, get healthier. Maybe, I mean, the rust thing, whatever, both teams will be all have been off for a while. Maybe just hope the Bucks take the Bulls lightly. Uh, again, a lot's going to have to go right for the Bulls to make this interesting. And hopefully they do. Again, though, like, I still am. Well, I'll, as we get close to this game one on Sunday, I'll talk myself into getting really excited. I'll be looking forward to it. There will be some playoff nerves going, even though I fully expect the Bulls to get smoked. Uh, and hopefully we'll get a decent series. But uh, anything else? I feel like I got, I got really nothing else here. We got, uh, uh, obviously, we got the play-in games coming up Tuesday, Wednesday, and then more on Friday. We will see later in the week if we might do another pod with a Bucks podcast guest. We'll see if we can work something out there. Otherwise, again, game one is on Sunday. We do not know the time yet. Uh, we'll probably, I'm guessing we'll find that out more maybe after these playing games happen. So uh, that's going to do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. It's been a crazy bull season. Thank you, everybody, for listening throughout this regular season as we go into the playoffs. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network, as always, with the playoffs starting up. Tons of great podcast content all across the Blue Wire Network for NBA stuff and all a bunch of other sports as well. Uh, for us here at Cash Considerations, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. Give us reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow us up on, on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. And shout out again to Fuzzgun, who made our new intro for the for the podcast this season. Go check out his, his SoundCloud. So, Bulls regular season over. It is now time for playoff basketball for the first time since 2017. Even if this might not go well, it's still exciting to be back in the playoffs. So we will talk to you guys next time. This has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.